0: We believe all people bear the image of God. We believe all people have a profound sense of dignity, worth and importance. That's our starting point. Yet people live in extreme poverty across the globe. Nearly 30 million people in Uganda live on less than $2.40 per day. That's 33 times the population of the state of South Dakota. These very people find themselves trapped. Trapped in a cycle of poverty, dependency, and toxic charity. We want to change that. They want to change that. I want to change that. I want to change that. I want to change that. Thousands of communities across Uganda lack the necessary resources and infrastructure for their leaders to change their own tomorrow. As One is an organization in Uganda owned by Me. 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 Owned, led, and operated by the people of Uganda dedicated to being the change for their people, their communities, and their country. We are building sustainable solutions, schools, farms, and smaller businesses as social enterprises that train, educate, create jobs, with a financially sustainable model that can be replicated into community after community. We want to end poverty for our country and you can help them do that. We are helping them do that. I am helping them do that. We We are are helping helping them them do do that. that. I'm helping them do that. We We are are helping them do that. You're helping us in relational, spiritual, and economic poverty. Because all people have a profound sense of dignity, worth, and importance. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. There we go. Uh, I'm Andrew Devaney, founder of As One Ministries, and uh, welcome to the porch if you're here or whether you're online uh, it's good to be with you this morning, and um, you know it's been an honor and a blessing for me to get to be on this journey or this partnership with all of you and, and many others um, in this work that we're doing in Uganda to end relational, spiritual, and economic poverty one community at a time. You know, coming into this year, we had these grandiose visions and expectations and plans, maybe similar to you, and some of them came to just a a halt. And a question that I get often, as we all know that we've had our own experiences here, many of you sitting in masks or socially distanced, COVID-19 has disrupted and affected many of our lives But the question I get is, you know, how has it affected places like Uganda? And So from a health standpoint, Uganda just reached over 7,000 cases for a country that's about 45 million people testing about 3,000 people a day and just eclipsed 70 total deaths. And so while they've been able to, you know, prevent this impending uh, health crisis, with that came really extreme lockdown measures lockdowns initially in March, that if you were out walking around, you were going to be arrested and put into these local prisons that they had created. Every sort of business that you could imagine was shut down, borders, airport, the whole country came to a halt. And the question for many people around the world was just around basic survival. How are we gonna make this work if we can't leave our homes? And so, uh, recently, The World Bank and others have put out a report, you can go to the next slide, Um, that because of what has taken place uh, internationally, uh, around the world they would say a new 71 million to 100 million, these kind of unfathomable numbers, uh, 71 million to 100 million people, image bearers, people made in the image of God, uh, have dropped below what they would call the poverty index line. And that's 2.5 or 2.6 million of those people live in Uganda. Um, and, and, and so with this, you know, crisis also came, you can go to the next slide, another 20 million students uh, that are not enrolled in school right now. Uh, everybody has had to stay home. And so it's been, a, it's been an unbelievably challenging, devastating time for, for this one little country, there's many, many places like that around the world, but uh, thanks to many of you who've partnered with AWS One and have been on this journey with us, you know we uh, were able to see our team in Uganda in the midst of great fears as they were watching things that were happening in Italy and in New York City, and everybody was terrified. They actually responded with courage and responded with ideas and wanted to figure out what could be done to serve their local people? And so, over the last few months, uh, and initially in you know April and May, we were actually able to provide nearly a thousand food packages, two and a half weeks of food. We got to partner with the local government uh, to be able to do this. So you could see some of these pictures, uh, you know, these, these food packages filled with rice and beans and cooking oil, just basic necessities were able to help a thousand, a thousand families, average family size being five to six people, uh, which is almost 5,000 to 6,000 people were able to continue to move forward in the midst of their great fears of like, what are we going to eat? And this has been the reality for the last several months. You know, we've done surveys and seen statistics that families have gone from eating two to three meals a day to, on average, eating just one meal a day. And so, Porch Church, it's been an honor to be able to partner with you, to be able to figure out creative ways to protect the most vulnerable around the world. You can keep going. And then we got creative with schools, and we turned our teachers into social workers, and they went out visiting families in their communities, working with students on a regular basis, printing out booklets with study materials so students could stay engaged during this time, and now we're getting to a point here in October where schools are actually going to reopen. Uh, you can keep going forward. Uh, yeah, and like I said, thanks to people like, that are in this room, that are part of this church. We've been able to provide around $30,000 in COVID-19 relief to families and individuals across Uganda. So thank you. You can give yourself a round of applause or a little hand clap. Um, to give a little brief... Uh, and then we'll jump into today's message as one works in two small communities in Uganda, one on eastern Uganda called Namayamba, And in Namayamba last year, uh, we, started, we, we decided that we had this vision we were going to build a new high school. And so this is what it looked like last July as we kicked off this initial vision for a new high school. This was a year ago, last September, October, and this is where the school is at today, and this also comes with your generosity, your support, your investment that we can build these financially sustainable, operationally sustainable schools that offer the highest quality and highest levels of education for kids who would never have that opportunity, access to computers and science, science lab, not sitting in classrooms of 70 to 100 students in one class. Uh, and just in our opening year, we had an enrollment of almost 120 students before schools shut down. And the same thing on the other side of the country, if you go to the next slide, work in a small remote community called Bihuka, And in this little remote community, uh, you know, we've actually been able to build the first ever high school that has ever existed. Like in the history of forever. And in this little school back in 2018, we kicked it off. And you can see the progress over the years if you keep going. That this little school has been transformed into a campus that nearly has 300 students now. And we believe that in the years to come, these schools will have around four to 500 students each. And this has been made possible through your investment in local leaders around the world where we've grown our staff and our employment over, to, over in Uganda to over 60 individuals across a multitude of areas, schools, small businesses, and farms. Uh, and, uh, and we've been able to actually uh, find ways to thrive in the midst of this challenging season. And so as we look forward to the future, Uh, We're excited about this vision to be able to expand uh, our work, not just in two communities, but into five communities by 2023. As we look to building three more schools, you can put up this uh, future vision and architectural plan of the future schools that we plan to build that, you know, five years from now we could be serving 2,500 kids with this financially sustainable operating model so that we can continue to empower and invest in these communities that desperately need this investment, that desperately need partnered with and believed in. We can be a part of transforming them around the world. So I wanted to give you guys a little update. It had been a while, and I'm just thankful, humbled, to be able to get to be a part of this work with you. And hopefully we can get Reed and Pastor Will, and Liam, and, and some of you others over there, as, um, you know, we move beyond health concern, these health concerns in the, in the future. So, that's my update. Uh, you guys can give yourselves maybe one little hand clap again, and um, I, I, I figure it's a, it's a good transition into what I want to share about today. You know, it was a few weeks ago, uh, that we actually tried to pull off our you know, annual fundraiser and gala in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And so we were going to do this gala, and it was going to be outdoors, socially distanced, chairs all over the place, people sitting far distances away from each other. And um, you know, it was going to look totally different than the years prior. Last year we had like 300, 320 people packed into this barn, had one of our most successful events to date, And um, I remember a few, about a month ago, talking to Will and saying to him that I felt like I was getting knocked off Ego Mountain. And he said, no, remember, you're not supposed to get back up Ego Mountain uh, because we were just having such a hard time recruiting for, for, and getting people to come to this event, you know, it was going to be 50% of the attendance, and I wondered you know, how we're going to be able to reach our goals and do the things that we want to do. It felt like every other day it was three people were coming, new people were coming, and then five people were dropping out, and then somebody got COVID, and they canceled their group or their table that they were inviting. It was really like stressful time for me leading up, not to mention that the Tuesday before the event, when I left Denver, it had snowed that day. And in South Dakota, it was rain and sleet for days and days prior to the event. And I was terribly stressed about the whole thing. And, you know, that Sunday, September 13th comes, and it was just this beautiful day. Sunny. Uh, We had these great volunteers that came out and helped. Had a great turnout. And raised our, it was one of our best fundraisers yet. Uh, raised nearly $80,000 total just from 150 people that came, 50% of what we had the year prior. And so we get done packing up, you know, or tearing things down, loading up the truck with the chairs and the screen and the stage. And I remember getting into this moving truck that we had rented and turning the key on. And the first thing that I thought about was, all right, what have we got to do in October? What are we going to do to be able to keep up, to be able to meet the next goals, to be able to accomplish the next thing? And my mind just felt like it extrapolated and started racing into all these different places as to what we were going to do the next month coming up. And then I had this moment of realization. You know, I was getting ready to go out for drinks and dinner with friends to celebrate the amazing ways that God provided and showed up when it felt like it wasn't going to be possible. And I realized all of these worries in my life, all of the, the the easy ways in which I can so easily be consumed about how we're going to make it work the next season of life keeps me so unable to be present to enjoy the moment to celebrate and actually to pay attention to what God has done and what he is doing in front of me around me and inside of me that my worries my fixations can be so consuming and my guess is if that you're anything like me you've had these moments before you have these moments often. And so today, you know, they say the the, the best sermons that you can preach are the sermons that you're preaching to yourself. Uh, I want to talk about worry. And I want to invite us into what Jesus talks about in his Sermon on the Mount, his invitation to life in the kingdom of God. Does that sound good? So if you have a Bible or your phone's um we actually aren't going to have it on the screen i apologize um i want to invite you to open up to matthew chapter six matthew chapter six uh so i'll give you a second to get there and i'm just um i'm going to pray for us this morning and um yeah i'm excited to see what god does in our lives and in our hearts so lord we thank you for this opportunity to, to gather And as I was driving here this morning, I was thinking about the quote or the statement that St. Teresa of Avila made, where she said, You are closer than the very skin on our bodies and the very breath of our mouths. And so it doesn't really matter quite how we gather and how the production is and how the performance feels. The reality is, God, that you are close and you are present. In our worries, in our anxieties, in our excitement, and in our joy, you are close, and you are present, and so we pray, come Lord Jesus, bring us home to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, you guys ready? Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor has dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire... Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what will we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear, for the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Isn't it interesting picturing Jesus sitting on this mountainside with his disciples, looking around him, seeing the birds flying in the air and the grass in the fields? And he invites them to be present, he invites them to pay attention. To what's in front of them and if you're any bit cynical like me or other people in denver colorado you probably have the side of you that's like you know i think this is a little cliche or jesus is a little naive he's like this you know hippie self-help guru that's you know seeing it a little bit too much bob marley but in all reality what he's actually inviting us into is radical Radical for a culture that, like, lives in constant security and safety and has the things that we need. Radical for first century individuals that are living like those around the world. If you've been to Uganda or you've been to Haiti or you've been to places in South America or or you've been to the Middle East, many people who live this subsistence lifestyle who wonder what is going to be next, who that literally go hungry this very day, radical for them and radical for us, saying that the the pagans, they go out and they chase these things, they're consumed by these things, they worry about these things, but you, how much more does your father care for you than the birds in the air and the grass in the fields. And I think what Jesus presses home on us is the very question that he asks in the text. It says, by worrying, by getting so fixated and consumed by these things that are almost nearly out of our control, which one of you can add an hour to your life? The Greek literally translate which one of you can grow a cubit to your height by worrying. My modern day translation is something like what is this worrying adding to your life? What is it adding to your life? Are are you guys with me? What is the worrying adding? To your life. Merriam-Webster defines worrying as this, you know, giving way to our anxiety or our unease and allowing our minds to dwell on the difficulties, the troubles, or the fears of life. What is our worrying adding to our life? And Jesus, you know, paints like this contrasting picture to what a life of worry looks like. And he says it's one that makes its ultimate, its supreme. That term seek first literally translates to run after God's kingdom and all of his righteousness. Righteousness being all of the right relationships that are out there, right relationship with God and other people and his creation. That the opposite for Jesus of a life of worry is a life of seeking first the kingdom of God, God's activity, God's purposes, God's mission in the world, and all of its righteousness. So I, I like remember as clear as day last year as our board got together and we started planning for 2020 and we were putting together a strategic plan and we were talking about the things that we wanted to accomplish And we had such confidence in, you know, 2020 is only going to be a year up and to the right for all of humanity, like it's been the prior years. And often throughout this year, I've reflected on the idea of like, what if we knew coming into 2020 what it was going to be like? What if we knew what church was going to feel like? What if we knew that come April, this virus would make its way around the world and spread from country to country to person to person, that millions of people would catch it, that unfortunately, millions could potentially die from it, that we would go into these self-isolating quarantines, that we would know that grocery stores weren't going to have any food in them, that air travel was going to predominantly shut down that our, you know, our IRAs and our 401Ks were going to drop 30 to 40%. What if we knew all of it coming into the year? Would we have done things differently? Would have life been like a mass hysteria, like it kind of was for a couple of weeks? And I, I honestly wonder that to people who really were prepared for something like this, you know, like the ones that we give a hard time and that we make fun of, like those end-of-the-world conspiracy theorists, like what did being consumed by those fears of this apocalyptic moment in history, what did being consumed by those fears in the, year, in the years and the days and the weeks leading up, what did it add to their life? How much better did they fare than the rest of us? Maybe they had more toilet paper in their uh, in their bunker than the rest of us did. Maybe they had some more food in their basement. But honestly, ask yourself the question: All of that worrying, what did it add to their lives? And Porch Church, what is our worrying? What is your worrying? What is my worrying adding to my life? There's a lot of great thinkers and theologians that would say something along the lines of that at the end of the day, what is revealed by our worrying is what we worship that thing that we run after, the things that we make most ultimate, and that worrying may be a symptom of that which is truly in our hearts, that which we're truly pursuing, that at the end of the day which truly consumes us. And I don't think Jesus has any troubles or is upset or angry about the things that we love and the things that we worship, but I think the thing that deeply concerns him is that the things that we make ultimate, the things that we run after, the things that we chase, they actually end up consuming us. They give us this inability to be present to one another in our lives, to enjoy life as God has graciously given it to us. Our worries, the things that we worship, they tend to consume us. So I'm going to need your participation a little bit here. Hopefully it works out. Kids, I'm going to be counting on you if the adults fail, okay? Okay. Um, so let's say like health and beauty is your God. It's the thing that you worship. What do you find yourself worrying about, do you think? Your weight. Your hair, yeah, I worry about that sometimes. What was that? If any. If any. The uncontrollable acne problems. Yeah, that was tough when I was in middle school as well. Um, The wrinkles. Anybody else have any? You know, the funny thing about worrying about the health and the beauty, I think the best that we can do at the end of the day is really just procrastinate. It's going to catch up with us at some day. Let's say family is your God. What do you find yourselves worrying about? Yeah, you're worried about their health and how they're going to fare. If family is your God, what do you worry about? Micromanaging them, keeping them together, ensuring that it is going to fulfill everything inside of you? What if, if, you know, popularity to you guys here, to kids, what if your reputation, what if your God is what other people think about you? What do you worry about? Your style. Your hair. How many people liked your Instagram? She doesn't have Instagram. If it's money is our God, we find ourselves checking our bank account more often than we should, our Charles Schwab 401k, thinking, consumed about what is going to be next. The reality is, is the things that we worship, they consume us, and they become our worries. And I fundamentally believe that this is more important than ever. For us as followers of Jesus to have a non-anxious, loving presence in the places that we work, in the places that we live, is to begin to realize is that our worries actually keep us from being present. Being present in the moment, being present to God, and to being present in his activities in the world around us. And so we find ourselves fixated and consumed with that which we see on media, with the fears about what tomorrow will bring. We find ourselves outside of, possibly outside of the very things that God actually wants to do in our souls, in our lives, and in the places that we live and occupy. It doesn't really matter if you're where you work or what you do or even if you're in full time ministry, we can all find ourselves consumed by the worries, things that we worship. And so what I want to do to end is actually invite us to maybe dig deeper to actually give us space to identify what are those things that have become my ultimate? What are those things that I find myself so easily consumed with that possibly keep me from this life, the good life, the kingdom life that God so desperately desires for us that actually keeps us from running after and seeking first the kingdom of God into all of its righteousness. What are those things? And so I don't know if you have a pen or paper. I want to just give space and opportunity to pray and to be present with God. As I prayed earlier, He's closer than the skin on our bodies and the breath in our mouth. And I believe that He wants to meet us in these moments, these moments that we gather together, these moments that truly do feel special because we went so long without them. And while you take that moment, we're going to play a little music, and I'm also going to reread this text, except Eugene Peterson's translation from the message. So if I can invite you, you posture yourself in prayer and say the ancient prayer of come, Lord Jesus, and see what he has as we peel back the layers of our worries and we find those things that become our ultimate, that we worship, and that can so easily consume us. So Matthew chapter six, verse 25. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes that you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller? Buy so much as an inch. All this time and money wasted on fashion. Do not think that it makes much difference. Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. But have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. And if God gives such attention to the appearance of the wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, and do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting, so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time that they come. So, Porch Church, let's look deep into our hearts, deep into our souls, and find ourselves intertwined, mixed up with love and the life that God wants for us, that he desires for us, and ultimately that he has for us. So, Lord, would you search us and know us, know our inward thoughts, know the deepest parts of our life. And I think if anybody here is like me, so desperately do we want to find ourselves free from our worries, to be able to enjoy deeply the life that you have given us and the life that you have for us. So, God, would you set us free, set our minds and our hearts free from things that so easily consume us so that we could love you and we could seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and trust that all the rest will be given to us as we need. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, everybody uh, here and online. This is today's service. Do we have closing worship? This is it. So, you know, as you go, may you trust and may you find that God wants what is best for you. Maybe even more than you think what is best for you. And may you sink the roots of your life deep into his love. So good to be with you this morning. Well, um, I'm sure we'll mingle and fist bump and things like that out in the four year so god bless thank you See how he's bye low.